Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. For 2,000 years, followers of Jesus have been praying a simple prayer, inviting the Holy Spirit to come and move in their hearts, to move in his church, and to minister through them with love and power in the world. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and move with power in our church. Come and move across our city to bring revival in our nation, in our generation. Come, Holy Spirit is a prayer that has been prayed throughout the centuries to welcome the Spirit of God to come and empower His church as they shine a light on Jesus Christ in their generation. The early church prayed this prayer in upper rooms and catacombs and the Holy Spirit gave them strength to endure great opposition and the courage to stand firm in their faith. Peasant farmers prayed, Come, Holy Spirit in their villages rife with poverty and hardship. And the Holy Spirit moved in power to provide and to protect, to comfort and to heal. Parents have prayed this prayer in chapels and cathedrals and the Holy Spirit gave them wisdom to raise godly families and to empower the next generation to become Christ-like leaders in the marketplace and in modern medicine. Local churches, have prayed this simple prayer when they were surrounded by hatred and injustice and the Spirit moved in their hearts to give them love for their enemies and to forgive those who had wronged them. And faith-filled pioneers have prayed this prayer on mission fields where the gospel had never been heard before and the Holy Spirit empowered them to make disciples of all nations. Every generation has found ways to pray this prayer and to welcome the Spirit to lead them and empower them as they follow Jesus. And this is the prayer that God's placed on my heart for Gateway in 2023, as we lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and empower us to share the good news of Jesus locally and globally. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to come and move in our lives. Come and move with power in our church. Come and move across our city to bring revival in our nation, in our generation. Our first sermon series this year is simply called, Come Holy Spirit. And we're encouraging everyone to discover the spiritual gifts that God has given you to bless His church. And in the middle of the series, we're going to have 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we're going to pray this prayer together. Believing for God to move in power in every generation, in every campus in 2023 as we serve Him together. We're going to pray this prayer in our Alpha courses this year. We're going to ask the Spirit to move in people's hearts and minds as they ask the big questions of life and faith. And we're going to celebrate every time one person puts their faith in Jesus and gets baptised. We're going to pray this prayer and believe for God to move at our first ever MOVE conference in July. 
Move Conference is a weekend when we're going to gather together all of our campuses to be inspired and filled with power to fulfill the mission of Jesus in our generations ministries, our care centers, in our neighborhoods and around the globe as more people hear the call to shine a light for the gospel in dark places around the world. I'm really excited about all that we've got planned this year at Gateway. But I'm also really excited about what we can't yet see. I believe that as we pray this simple prayer together, God will move in unexpected ways in our lives, in our life groups, in our Sunday services, as we welcome the Holy Spirit with an expectant heart and we make space to listen to His voice. I believe He'll speak to us and surprise us with His extravagant grace and miraculous power. Come, Holy Spirit. If you'd like to join in that prayer, would you stand to your feet as we pray together? Come on in all of our campuses, let's stand and lift our voices together in prayer. Let's pray out loud together the words of the prayer on this screen. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and move in our lives and make us more like Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit and move in our church. Fill our hearts with astonishing faith for the miraculous and with extravagant love for every person that walks through our doors. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to lead us with wisdom in 2023. And would you fill us with power as we serve you and fulfill your mission in this world. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and move in our lives, in your church, across our city and around our nation. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. What a powerful invitation. Uh, a simple invitation, yet a significant invitation. You know, we do, we have uh, invitations, don't we? Some are simple and some are significant. Some are simple and some are significant. We make simple invitations every day. If you're in, your, in the workplace, you'll send a calendar request. You have these invitations to come to a meeting and it lands in your intro, your inbox or on your, on your phone and you respond. And there, there might be social media invitations, invitations to be friends, with one another, again, you simple invitation, which can have ramifications if you say yes or no. There are dinner invitations that go out from time to time. These are simple invitations, and sometimes you might re re be rejected, sometimes it may be pushed back, and it's no big deal. Sometimes there's significant invitations, aren't there, like a, a birthday party or a significant event or weddings. Weddings are a significant invitation. You know, we, I remember when we uh, invited people to our wedding. It was, it was a big deal. I found the most stressful thing was deciding who we would invite to the wedding. I don't know if you've ever found, you found that for those who got, have been married. It's just, it's, it was stressful. And then because we wanted people to come, Megan made us do this. This is actually the invitation that we sent out for our wedding. It actually had a wax seal on it. And uh, I dripped 150 kind of wax seals. I burnt every finger just doing these stupid <laughs> wax seals. 
No, they, they weren't stupid, sorry. No, they, were, they were wonderful and amazing. <laughs> you know, I reckon one of the most uh, scary or, or nervous things is when you invite somebody out on a date. If you've ever done that, that that's, that's a little bit of a scary invitation. I, I remember in grade 12, uh, in, I, I didn't want to, I was too nervous to invite anyone to the formal. Like I was, so, I was such a nervous kid and I wasn't uh, particularly popular. And, uh, and so I just, I just bottled, I just didn't invite until about a month before our school formal, I decided, I plucked up the courage to call a girl to invite her to the formal. But by then it was way too late. And uh, she said, I'm sorry, I'm already going with somebody else. And so I, I just invited my mates. And, uh, and we went together, which is, which is totally normal these days, isn't it? You know, some, some invitations, they overwhelm, they're, they're quite significant invitations. Here, this invitation, come, Holy Spirit. It's a simple invitation. Doesn't need any, any formality. There's no guest list. There's no wax seals. It's simple. Come, Holy Spirit. But it's also significant. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us with your recreating, renewing, creative power. Come and fill us with your transforming power. This is a prayer, as Jason said before, that has been prayed for generations, for hundreds for thousands of years. Going right back in Acts chapter two as the disciples waited for the Holy Spirit. They said, come Holy Spirit in Acts two. And we're gonna explore this in coming weeks. The power of God fell upon them. In the, two, in the 200s AD, church leader Hippolytus was attributed with writing a prayer for early believers that started with this. And we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit. In the 800s, a Benedictine monk wrote a song equipping the church to sing a prayer. And this prayer starts by saying, Come, Holy Spirit, Creator, come. And then in the 1200s, a liturgy was built which has been used throughout the church when... A Latin worship poem called the Veni Sancti Spiritus took central place and it was called Come Holy Spirit. And this is how it starts. This is the prayer, the song that has been sung throughout the world for hundreds of years. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful and kindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. So where did all this start? Where, where, did, where did this prayer, come Holy Spirit, originate? Well, I want to point it right back to the one who enables us to be filled with the Spirit, with Jesus Christ. In John chapter 20, we see that the resurrected Jesus, the one who had died and risen again, comes and meets with his disciples and prophetically, profoundly, supernaturally passes on gifts and gives the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 20, we read these words. Open your Bible if you want. Uh, the words will be on the screen behind me. We read this. 
On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. Obviously, they needed some peace because here is Jesus, the one who had been crucified just days earlier and now has walked into the room, or should I say, walked through the walls and appeared to them. And Jesus, sensing the mood, even though they were overjoyed, there is still this, what, in, what is this power? Who is this Jesus? Peace be with you. The power of the presence of Jesus is supernaturally in their midst. Peace be with you. But then Jesus goes on to say this. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus said, the resurrected Jesus says to the disciples, and he says to us, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we uh, think about the Holy Spirit, when we look at the Holy Spirit, when we speak of the Holy Spirit, it evokes a reaction, doesn't it? The Holy Spirit evokes a reaction. I, uh, I remember as a kid, I grew up in a conservative Baptist church. And I, I love the church. I love my experience. I'm so grateful for my time uh, in that church. It taught the Bible. It discipled me. It grew me. And there was something about my conservative Baptist experience, though, when it came to the Holy Spirit, it was kind of seen as this other thing that we didn't talk about so much. It was kind of like the Trinity was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. I don't know if anyone went to that kind of church growing up, but that was my, and I'm so glad, I love it, it was so good. I loved walking in at worship and seeing the hymn numbers on either side of the stage. And I loved as a kid going through my big hymnal and just kind of figuring out what songs we'd be singing. Did anyone go to that kind of church? Every church. And someone would have to come in the morning and put in the numbers. So exciting. But then there was a move that happened. That resonated with a few people. You've gone back, haven't you? You've gone back in time. Some of you have got the chills. I know. I remember, I remember something happened, though, in the 80s uh, as, as the charismatic renewal was happening across the world and these new songs were starting to come out, these choruses, these spirit songs. And so these songs began to start working their way into my conservative Baptist church. And, you know, there, were, there was the, the brown book and then there was the blue book and then there was the yellow book. And these, these books had these songs, well, they were called Scripture and Song. They were these, these songs. And I remember in grade eight, at the back of my Baptist church, 
singing Shine Jesus Shine and being a rebel because I clapped to Graham Kendrick's Shine Jesus Shine. You know, it was around that time of the band wars where, you know, whether could you actually have a drum kit on stage? Was that actually theological? It was all that kind of, anyone, anyone remember that? Yeah, yeah, we all, many of us worked through that. You know, as I, as I look at that time, as I look at the view of the Holy Spirit within that setting, often the, the, the reaction to the Holy Spirit was one of fear. Fear. It's unknown. It's, it's unseen. It's fear. Our rea- the reaction was fear. But I also, in, in that season, and, and then as I went into high school, I actually went to a, a Pentecostal school. And, uh, and that was a, a different experience. I remember in grade nine and grade 10, there was this thing called the Toronto Blessing. And it was this move of the Spirit. And, uh, and, it was, and, and so much of it was good. And, uh, and when we talk about the Alpha Course, when I, when I share some of my experiences later on, much of that came out of that movement, a move of the Spirit. But, but it was almost like, uh, particularly in my, in, my, in my school environment anyway, it was kind of like, this is amazing. Everybody's got to do this. Everybody's got to fall over. That was kind of the thing. And I remember going to a chapel service at this Pentecostal school, and I got pushed all the way to the back of the room <laughs> until I got to the back. This is ridiculous. And I fell over and then picked myself up again. And now, listen, that's, I'm not saying, listen, we all had different experiences. But I'd say there was a reaction at times within that setting, there was a reaction of fixation. Kind of everything was just about the outworkings or certain charismatic outworkings of the Spirit. And I remember as a young guy, particularly as I became, and I, I, I learned how to play guitar and became a worship leader uh, as I left school, my frustration was in the church was, Man, we're either, we're either really fearful or we're just absolutely fixated with the Holy Spirit. Can't we have both? Can't we have both? John Wimber said, overemphasis on the Bible and you dry up. Overemphasis on the Spirit and you blow up. But together, you grow up. And I remember as I began to learn worship, I connected with this Vineyard worship, which is where John, John Wimber started. And I remember, I, I didn't really know much, I didn't know anything about John Wimber, but I just loved the music. There was something about it that connected with my heart. And, uh, and so I developed as a worship leader. I remember as I began to start writing songs, I began to see God just move just in, in worship, and I could see the Spirit at work in, 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 in our midst as we would worship and as we would sit in God's Word. Both. And then I, I remember being invited to lead worship uh, at Gateway Baptist, actually. It was an, uh, there was a, a speaker that was coming through from the UK, a guy called Mike Pilavachi. And he led a, a, a youth movement called Soul Survivor. And Soul Survivor was actually an Anglican movement, and, uh, but it had been uh, significantly impacted by Vineyard and John Wimber. And I remember leading worship at this, at this gathering, at this, at this event, and I remember listening to, to Mike speak. He preached the Bible with passion, with authority. But the thing I remember was at the end, when he came and he led the ministry time here, a chari- you know, when I say charismatic, both charismatic in his leadership, but also charismatic in his theology, 
that the Spirit is alive and well and moving amongst us. And remember he's saying this, we don't hype the Spirit up, the Spirit comes down. And there was something in me that said, yes, we don't need to manipulate. We don't need to cajole. We didn't need to manufacture anything to get the Spirit to come. All we need to do is say, Lord, come, when we open and invite ourselves to Him. Because God wants to fill us with His Spirit. Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. God doesn't want to withhold Himself. He wants to give Himself to us. And as a result of my interaction with, with Mike and with Salsa, I ended up moving over there and uh, working in the Anglican setting, charismatic Anglican church, for 10 years. And it shaped uh, me in deep ways in regards to how God works and how he ministers to us. I, I want to ask you this morning, when we say, when I say, come Holy Spirit, how do you react? What's your journey? What's your story? Is there a reaction of anxiety and fear? Is there a reaction of just fixation? Oh, man, I've been waiting for him to be talking about it. We should be doing this every week. <laughs> What's your reaction? Jesus wants us to experience him and we experience him through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit evokes a reaction, I believe, because the Holy Spirit is powerful. The Holy Spirit evokes a reaction in us because we are talking about God's power. I did something really stupid a couple of weeks ago, really stupid. I was not thinking. Um, I love banana bread. Anybody else love banana bread? So good. You know what I love even more? Toasted banana bread. And even more than really, really, really toasted, but like super hot so that as soon as the butter hits the bread, it just melts into it, into that. Anyone, anyone with me? It's just, it's just, it's manna from heaven. Anyway, Megan had made some banana bread and, uh, and so I grabbed the slab of it and I put it in the toaster and did it. And, uh, and I went through one cycle, but it just still wasn't quite hot enough. So... I did it again, and then I just had this absolute brain fade. Like, we're all to we're told from very young not to stick the knife in the toaster, right? I just wasn't thinking. With the toaster going, I stuck the knife in the toaster to get the bread out. Do you know what happened? I didn't get electrocuted. All the lights went off. <laughs> I tripped a switch. Now, the reality, this is the sobering thing. If that switch wasn't there, that would have been going through me. There is something about power that evokes a reaction, that evokes a response. When power is, where there is connection, I know some of you are just still thinking, thank you, Lord. I got on my hands and that, well, I actually didn't, but I should. Thank you for power switches. Now, when we encounter power, when power comes it evokes a reaction. It evokes a response. And when Jesus comes into that room, there is power in their midst and the disciples experience it. 
They experience the power of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. And we see in this passage in John chapter 20, verse 22, that Jesus here saying, peace be upon you, shalom. Everything is the way it should be. Everything is now ordered because I have defeated sin and death. I have recreated that which is broken. There is power in the room. And now, disciples, I want you to know it. And how does he do it? What does he do? He breathes on them. He breathes. Now, that's a pretty weird thing. Don't you think? I don't get too many people just going, cop that. <laughs> if I did, I'd make sure I had a mint first, to brush my teeth or something. Or they would fall over. Maybe, maybe. He breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Here we're seeing that Jesus is passing on that which is in him. That word wind is the word pneuma. It's where we get the, new, the word pneumatic from, wind, breath. It's a word for holy, one of the words, the Holy Spirit. Pneuma. The study of the Holy Spirit is pneumatology. Now, what's, what's going on here? You know, there's a whole bunch of theological debate about, is this Pentecost? Is this Pentecost for John? Remember, we, when we get to this in, in later messages in Acts chapter 2, we see that the Spirit comes like fire from heaven and fills them. What's going on there? Is there, is there a different time? Are there two different fillings? What's going on? There's a whole bunch of theological dialogue and debate about what John is doing. Remember, John writes differently to the other gospel writers. I think what John is doing here is he is theologically pointing the source of the Spirit back. Where does the Spirit come from? The Spirit comes from Christ. It comes from God and from Christ. And that's another big theological argument if you want to get into historical theology about where the Spirit comes from. But we would say in the West, Western tradition, the Spirit proceeds from the Father and from the Son. And the Spirit of God comes through what Christ has. We all have access to the Spirit through the act and the work of Jesus at the cross and the resurrection. And John is saying we have access to the power of the Spirit through the work of Christ. And so Jesus symbolically, profoundly says, you receive the Spirit from me. I breathe on you. What John is doing here is being very particular. It's very interesting. First, I want to say a couple of things here. Firstly, John is saying that, that God, Jesus is speaking over there is a creative, created, creator work going on. In John chapter 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What's John saying? John is saying that the one at the beginning, the word was Jesus. The beginning creation was Jesus. And Jesus is the word. I just want you to turn to your neighbor for a moment and I just want you to have a conversation. But I want you to have a conversation without using your breath. Go for it. I shouldn't be hearing anything unless you're doing something supernatural. The reality is to speak requires wind. 
air passing through vocal cords to create sound, to create noise, to create words. Jesus is the word, but Jesus speaks filled with the creative power of the Spirit. The Spirit is at work in the formation, in the creation of the world. And so we see in verse two of John chapter one, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. The breath of God is the creator God. The spirit, in other words, is the renewer. It's the create, there is creation power in the spirit. The power to renew the power to transform, the power to change, the power to create. The other interesting thing here is in this this passage in John chapter 20 is that John, uh, this, this whole action of breathing, breathing upon this breath. There's two other places that this word breath is used and they're used in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. The first one is in Genesis, Genesis chapter two. Verse seven, we read this. Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and what? Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. The breath of God animates. The breath of God brings life. The breath of God creates. And we see in Ezekiel chapter 37 this prophetic moment, maybe you know it, it's kind of titled and known as the, valley, the vision of the valley of dry bones. And God comes and speaks to the prophet Ezekiel and gives him a vision and he looks out and he sees this valley and it's filled with dry bones. And we read here in, in our verse five in chapter 37, this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Breathe. Same word. And that which is dead, that which is broken, that which is destroyed, this picture of Israel, that which has lost, it's dead. Breathe life. And those bones rattle together, if you know the story, and they come to life. It's the animating, recreating, renewing power of God. It is the Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is powerful. It's powerful. That's why it evokes a reaction and that's why it has the power to transform. Has the power to bring life, renew, restore, transform people's lives. I think of someone like Peter, the disciple Peter. You know, the Peter who just said everything the wrong way round. The Peter who always put his foot in his mouth. The one who flunked rabbi school and so had to go back to fishing. The one who... who, uh, who was chosen by Jesus as he was sitting on a boat and said, go away from me, Jesus, because I'm not worthy. You know, that the disciple who tried to tell Jesus that don't worry, you're not gonna die. We're not gonna let you die. And then Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. That didn't go too well for him, did he? <laughs> and then, the, the, then as they're in their upper room, you know, the night that Jesus is betrayed, Peter says, Jesus, I will never betray you. You can depend on me, Jesus. Don't you worry about that. Next day, oh, I don't know who Jesus is. What, Jesus? Ah, three times. Three times he denies him, betrays him, or denies him. 
that Peter. The Peter always gets it wrong and puts his foot in his mouth who is a coward. Is filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost as the presence of God comes down upon him and almost instantly the transforming, recreating, renewing power of God fills him and he lives and walks with courage. And I love this story in the first few chapters of Acts where Peter and John are walking and they come across a crippled man. He says, can you just give me some money? And you know, you remember what they say? It's turned into a song, silver and gold, I do not have. But what we do have, we give you in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And he went walking and leaping and praising God as the song goes. But here's the really cool thing, is that then Peter is dragged before the Sanhedrin, the religious elite, the lawyers, and they're doing an investigation on this Peter. And I love what Acts chapter four says. Let me read along with me. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, He's animated, renewed, filled with courage with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown towards a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter begins preaching to the religious elite, those who didn't flunk rabbi school. He is speaking with courage, with clarity and power, proclaiming the name of Jesus, proclaiming the redeeming work of of Jesus, the healing power of Jesus. Verse 13, I love this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that these were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The transforming power of the Holy Spirit to see the miraculous and to proclaim the gospel. They go together. They go together. The presence of the Holy Spirit transforms our hearts. It transforms our lives. And my prayer is that it will transform me and it will transform us as a church, as a community. That God would move amongst us. I celebrate the, the lives of transformation, lives transformed even in this community, even in this church. You know, Jason mentioned before the Alpha course. Alpha is a, a seven-week program, seven-week seven journey of exploring who Jesus is. And it's an absolute joy every time we run it. We, we run it here at City. Largely, we run it online now. But I tell you, when we, when we get to the subject of the Holy Spirit, we create time just for, for God to speak, Allow time for the Holy Spirit to reveal who he is, to move amongst us. I love it every time just to see how the supernatural breaks in and reveals his grace. Receive the Holy Spirit. I've seen it time and time again that God has personally spoken, that the Holy Spirit has moved on people and they are transformed and changed forever. Do you want that? 
Do you want to know that the animating, transforming voice of God, presence of God in your life, the empowering work of the Spirit in your life? Calm, Holy Spirit. It's a prayer that we are invited to pray. It's an invitation for power, and this power is available to all of us. Not just for the few, not just for the educated, not just for those who've done a theological degree, not just for those who've been a Christian for five years or 10 years or 40 years. The Holy Spirit is available to all whose faith is in Jesus. The Holy Spirit works amongst us. And the tragedy is that so many of us don't fully live and walk in the fullness of his power. And Paul told, and we'll, we'll explore this in the coming days, but the, in the coming weeks, I should say, but, but the Spirit of God, yes, is with us. Yes, he, at salvation, the Spirit comes in and does a renewing work. But as Paul says, be filled with the Spirit is not just a once-off. It's present continuous. It's a filling and an ongoing filling of the Spirit. It's available to all of us. So what, why, what, what stops us? What stops us from being filled with the Spirit? Well, the first, I'm gonna give a couple, and there's many, but the first is self-centeredness, self-sufficiency. To use the theological word, you could say it's sin, it's pride. It says, thanks God for what you've done, I'll take it from here. I, I appreciate what you've done, but now I'll do it. I'll just take control back of my life. You know, we, we, we kind of park salvation or whenever we prayed the prayer or whatever it looks like there, and then we just slide back into religion, slide back into earning, slide back into doing it ourselves. We're being powered on our own steam. It leads to exhaustion. It leads to a substandard faith life. It leads to an anemic faith journey, not filled with life and energy and power, but effort and striving and work and shame and guilt. I've been reminded just as, as, as I was preparing, just of a picture that uh, Megan and I were given the weekend before we planted this church. And a pastor prayed for us, and he gave us a picture of a sailboat. And we've actually got a, we went and got a picture that sits in our lounge room at home, because it was so important for us. And he said, as he was praying, he said, Andrew, you have the choice of either being a rowboat or a sailboat. You know, a rowboat is easier to set up, and you can jump in, and you can get moving pretty quickly but you are operating on your own steam, on your own effort, on your, on your own energy. It's pretty hard to row far in a rowboat. It's pretty hard to row across an ocean in a rowboat. Pretty hard to row around the world on a, in a rowboat. Sailboat. Sailboat takes a bit of time to set up, to, to get the, the mast, mast up and, and the sail in the right place and, and to, to know where the wind is going. But once you've learnt to catch the wind, 
you can keep sailing and sailing and sailing. When the Spirit of God fills us, no longer are we on our own self-sufficiency, self-powered, but we are walking in Him. I tell you, even over the last few days, that's been my prayer. Oh God, I can't do this on my own. In fact, I don't want to, but so often I try to. So often my default is, how am I gonna fix this? How am I gonna sort this? How am, I, how am I gonna earn this? How am I dot, dot, dot? How am I gonna impress others? How am, I, how am I gonna fix this? Rather than falling on my knees and saying, I have access to a far greater power, to a God who loves me and wants me to receive his goodness, his grace, and his power. And maybe you're here this morning and you're exhausted, you're tired, you're burnt out on religion, you're filled with shame or guilt or you've been striving and, and trying and you've been trying to fill in the gaps that God should be filling in. And, and today, today is the day, a reminder again, oh God, I surrender. Come, I receive your Holy Spirit. Self-sufficiency, sin stops the Holy Spirit work in our lives. And the other one is fear, fear. The sense of letting go of control this worry about actually what it would look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness, can't even think of that. That just scares me too much. But the thing is, is that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we actually get things that might surprise you. Paul writes to Timothy, and in 2 Timothy, he says this, for this I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Let me hit pause there for a moment. In this church, we do the laying on of hands appropriately. We pray for one another. We bless one another. It's why we do it. It's why we invite you to stand and say a prayer and we gather around you. We see that Paul gathered around Timothy along with others and they blessed him and he, they prayed for him, they anointed him and they fanned in the flame the gift that God had called him to. Holy Spirit, come, fill Timothy right now. Bless him, pour your spirit upon him and fan into flame the gift that you've called him to, the gift of leadership, the gift of pastoral ministry. And then Paul writes this, for the spirit God gave us does not make us, What? Timid, fearful. Secondly, gives us power. And what? Thirdly, self-discipline. See, actually, when we hand over power, when we hand over control, we get a new self-discipline. Does that surprise you? See, actually, when we allow the Spirit of God to come, we actually become more self-controlled, but in the way that God has called us to live. Let's not live in fear but that let's live in power, love, and self-discipline. We are invited to participate in this power. We're all invited to ask for the Spirit of God, and as we do, we participate in His purpose. And this is why I love the end of just this passage. As Jesus speaks over the disciples, He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then He says these words, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm giving you the task that was my task. My purpose here on earth is to reconcile, 
is to reconcile God to humanity, to bring forgiveness, to make a way for humanity to come back into relationship with God. That's the work of Christ. And through the Spirit, that is what we are called to do. We, in partnership with the Spirit, are entering into the recreation work of God in this world through forgiveness. That's powerful, people. That is a gift for a city that desperately longs for forgiveness and freedom, but desperately does not know how to get it. We are participants in the purposes of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be reconcilers and peacemakers. So we go out into the world and we say in his power, peace be with you. Peace. We bring the presence, healing, creating, renewing power of God. Come on, people. That's exciting. That's powerful. That's what we are invited to do in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are reconcilers and renewers. We are recreators and restorers. And it requires a few things. It requires passion. It requires energy. It requires life. It requires emotion. It requires movement. When you get filled with the power of God, something will happen in you. In our worship, in our prayer, come on. Let's be filled with the Spirit. Let's be emotional. Let's not be afraid of emotion. Let's not be afraid of all the things that God has given us as a response to all that He is, a response to His power. But it will also require active choice, require effort, it requires cost, it will require sacrifice. And as we do, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we will participate in the great renewal work of the kingdom of God here in this world. Surely that should get you excited. And so we're invited to pray. You're invited to pray. I'm invited to pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill me to be the person that you've called me to be in my family. Fill me to be the person, the renewing, recreating work in my marriage, in my relationships, in my workplace, with my friends, in my spiritual life, in every part of who I am, Holy Spirit, come. I invite you so that I may live and walk in the purposes and the plans that you have for me. And as we do, we receive his peace. I wonder whether we can stand this morning. Can we do that? Can we stand? I realise that we need to get the blood flowing and it's now 10.55. I've preached way longer than I anticipated and it's warm in here. Is anyone else feeling a bit warm? No, we're okay, good, good. We don't hype the spirit up. He comes down. Here's what I'd love us to do. I'd love for you in your heart right now. We're gonna create a moment. We just pray, come Holy Spirit. And maybe as I've been speaking and preaching 
God's word today, there's been something that you know, oh, Holy Spirit, I need you to come into this area of my life. Or maybe there's a repentance or a letting go or something that you need to say or you need to do. But more than that, I just want to create space right now for the Holy Spirit to come and to fill you afresh and anew. So what I'd love you to do, and only if you feel comfortable, there's nothing magical about this. It's more about receiving a posture. And you just put your hands out in front of you as if you're receiving a gift. God, I want to receive from you. And we're just going to wait. We're going to wait for the Holy Spirit to come because he is here. And he wants you to know. So Holy Spirit, You are so welcome here. Come, Holy Spirit. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you, or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click Get Connected to let us know.